Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Property, I'm Glenn James and today and for the next two weeks we're doing something a little different, I thought I would get John a guest host, Emily Wallace, buyer's advocate, calling in from Melbourne, how are you Emily? I am very well, how are you? I'm not too bad, thanks for doing this and at the time of recording I think you guys are in lockdown so uh, I guess you had nothing better to do anyway, but today on the podcast I'm getting John and you to talk about what to tell an agent. Correct. Many people ask this question, so I thought we'd provide the people with what they want. Love it. So, are you ready, John? I am ready, Glenn, and thank you, and welcome, Emily. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you on. It's always good to have a female guest, and... uh, Definitely one that knows what she's talking about even better. So obviously, as Glenn said, probably well locked down in Melbourne. Um, how? What are you seeing out there on the streets at the moment? Well, today, the day that we are recording this episode is the first day of mask wearing. So we're all trying to adapt to that at the moment. Right. Interesting times. Yes. Do you know what the hardest thing is? And you would know this from being in property or any industry, is not being able to see people's smile you know, are, yes. they, are they angry at you? Are they happy? I'm not sure. Yeah, there's, uh, there's no emotion. You just got to run with it and back yourself in, don't you? Yes, exactly. So topic today, as Glenn mentioned, what info should we be telling an agent? Comes up a lot, I think. People are nervous to give too much information to an agent or they're, they're really just unsure what they should actually be telling them. I think there's an element of a a lack of trust. Yeah, it's it's um, when I was looking at this topic, and and I don't normally do too much preparation for these sort of episodes, but uh, <laughs> I did have a quick look at it this morning, and uh, I say the same thing to my clients. Like I like to be the agent's best friend when I'm going to buy property because I I feel the more I give of myself, the more they'll give back to me. Now I don't know if that plays out true or not, but what are your thoughts on that? I think certainly in the professional role of helping people to buy property, yes, because the rapport building and the honesty is a long-term game. On the flip side, I can see why particularly first-home buyers are nervous to give out too much information because they're worried it will be used against them in some way. And I think that's a very real fear. Yeah. And then a lot of lot of feedback I get is, is clients saying, well, I don't want the agent badgering me or ringing me every five minutes, seeing what I'm doing, or, or following me, following me around in the open open home. But like on the other side, I I see that maybe as a as an opportunity to get some more information from the agent, which they may not give out to you if you if you're a bit standoffish. Would you agree? Totally agree. I mean, it's like anything in life, rapport building, the more that you build rapport in a relationship with someone, the more info you're going to get out of them than if you appear cold um, or not interested. At the end of the day, 
that agent's there to provide you with information on the property to a certain point, but I think you might get more out of them if you start becoming their friend. Yeah, cool. So I'll get from you, what what should you, well, you're, you're a buyer's agent. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the information that you're getting from your clients to give to the agent? Yeah, definitely. So I think the most important thing is obviously creating a profile of what they're after and agents love hearing that. The more details, the better. The, like the good agents who really work to match, they want to know everything. Yeah. They want to know the aspect, uh, preferred streets, bedrooms, bathrooms, uh, and obviously price point. And I think that's where some people get a bit unsure is, do I tell the agent my budget? And I think the general sense is, yes, you do. They're not mind readers. Yeah, it's a it's a good starting point, isn't it? And I I feel personally the same thing. I'm like, oh, I don't really have a budget in mind. It's just what I'm prepared to pay for a particular property that's more key. But in, in saying that, if I say, well, five fifty to an agent, then that that gives them a starting point to play with, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And you don't want to waste their time either. You know, I think if they actually no. are genuinely trying to present properties to you. And they're presenting them to you, you know, way out of what you're looking at, then that's just wasting their time and that's not overly fair. No, that's right. Yeah, so you've talked about profile, you've talked about potentially areas or streets that uh, the, the client might like to buy into. Um, anything else that you, you'd be telling an agent? I think when you are looking more seriously and you're coming down to some properties that you do like, I think to start talking about your circumstances of purchasing, you know, this is our first home, this is our first investment, this is our upsides, our downsides. And to start to get a sense of the settlement terms, I think it's often overlooked that price isn't everything in a transaction. And I think being really clear and upfront on whether you have flexibility or whether you have a deadline for settlement, because that can actually mould into the deal uh, quite heavily, be heavily weighted. So mm. I think being transparent about your situation that you're currently facing is really important. Yeah. So so three things I wrote down was your budget, your time frame, and your finance. Yeah. Have I got finance in order? Uh, what's my time frame to buy, and and what is my budget or, or purchase price that I'm sort of looking at now? I just wanted to park on time frame for the moment. Mm. Um, there's a few variances in this. We we go and talk to the likes of yourself, um, and and you give the brief to to various agents, uh, without ever uh, putting putting step into a, any home. There's the the other instance where you walk into an open home and there's an agent that greets you, wants all your details, um, and and then you walk around and and have a have a look at it. Time frame is a critical one in this, isn't it? Because if you tell them six months, they're less likely to, to sort of work too hard to get you a result right now today at the open home because you, you're just starting your, your initial um, checks and balances on that. Definitely. I, you know, some very honest agents uh, have said that it is a bit painful, for lack of a better word, when people are just researching. However, on the flip side, it's essential that people do research. So I think being uh, okay with telling the agent that you are just in research phase and they probably won't chase you up as hard, to be honest. But when you're ready to buy and you've got the research done, you know what you're after, they should pretty have a pretty good handle on, on what you are looking at and at what price point as well. Yeah, for sure. And, and I was speaking to a client last week where uh, they've they've got their brief, they're looking to buy in Sydney and 
they they know their price point they know what type they want they know the suburbs they're in they're they're ready to go they've got their finance pre-approval um, so they reached out to half a dozen agents right now of those half a dozen agents two of them have got back to them the other four haven't at all at this stage now that's six days ago um, as of today so like I think you you come to expect that there's a good and bad in in all industries, um, and the level of customer service varies. But uh, as I said to him, and I would say to everyone, is you've just got to keep knocking down doors until you get what is going to work for you. Definitely, and I think just following on from that point, the level of customer service can have a lot of variation depending on what type of market we're in, and by that I mean whether we're in a seller's market or in a buyer's market because the agents will chase different things. Unfortunately, and this is a generalisation, but unfortunately they play a short-term game a lot of the time. Um, They chase things quickly. So you will find that the level of customer service varies based on the type of market we find ourselves in. If it's a buyer's market, guess what? You're going to get the red carpet rolled out. If it's a seller's market, they're going to be chasing their next listing. So you've got to be aware of that as well. Yeah, 100%. Great point. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Mm. You're sitting in Melbourne with a face mask on or, or close enough to. <laughs> what sort of market are you experiencing down there at the moment in general? And we know there's hundreds of different markets around the country, yes. but generally speaking in Melbourne right now because of the conditions, what are you, what are you seeing? Okay, so I'm just going to, to simplify and put it into two markets, which is the sub-million dollar market and then the high-end market. Yes. So your sub-million dollar market is your first home buyer market, traditionally speaking. And that particular market is really a seller's market right now. There's not enough stock. Uh, there's certainly yeah. a number of first home buyers uh, ready to go with their finances in stable jobs. They're happy to make a move. The smart ones are making a move now. I mean, we're recording this in July. Unfortunately, a lot of people are saying they're going to hold until September. Uh, and that will be interesting because right. that will be a well and truly a seller's market because there's going to be even more buyers out and about if people do stick to their word. On the other piece of the market that I mentioned, the higher end, I am seeing that there's a lot more flexibility. There's not a lot of stock sort of at the $2 million mark, um, you know, larger family homes. Mind you, $2 million doesn't buy you much in Melbourne anymore, uh, But no. <laughs> which is just so bizarre to say, but it is true. So, yes, that market, there's a bit more wriggle room, particularly if that vendor has already bought their next property. We're finding people are wanting to buy and secure something first, then sell. So there's a little bit of desperation in that as well. Yeah. So that that uh, buying something else and then sell their property, they're generally the upsizers, aren't they? Uh, or in, indeed the downsizers, but they're, they're already in the market to begin with. So there's a bit of time to, to play out to get, uh, get the ducks in a row, uh, which can be frustrating for the potential buyer. And that's, I suppose, where the expertise of someone like yourself comes into play, where you can manage the expectations of, of the potential buyer. Definitely. I think the hardest thing in that is trying to line up the settlements so they work for everybody and so that no one's too far put out. You don't want to end up in a situation where you're temporary renting for a month to cover up the gap or you're out of pocket of breaking a lease and things like that. Uh, Yeah, it's definitely interesting to navigate when the upsizers do buy first before they sell what they're currently in. Yeah. But uh, it's all a process and we get there in the end, but you do need to be on top of it. Yeah, absolutely. And and just following on from your, 
I suppose, sentiment around the sub-million versus the uh, the $2 million uh, standard property in Melbourne. You've obviously got a housing market and a unit slash apartment market, haven't you? So v- two very different markets uh, right around the country as we speak. I get the feeling you're generally talking about the housing market, not so much the, the unit apartment market. Is that fair to say? Oh, the sub-million dollar market it is probably even look sub 800K where it is that two-bedroom apartment market, first home buyers, definitely. Uh, I think you're right in saying, yeah, there is sort of that unit market than the housing because again, depending on what part of Melbourne you're buying in, certainly metropolitan, sub-million dollar is really apartments, villa units, maybe a townhouse if you're lucky. Yeah, which for someone living in a a town with about 4,000 people in it, driving a tractor is probably falling off their seat thinking $2 million, how can that be for a yeah, so it's, as you said, scary, scary times when that's happening. But yeah, we, we, I was listening to something last week that suggested that fifty percent, at least, of all Australian homeowners own their home outright. So that was the argument for the potential dip in in property prices or this blood on the street of um, once the the home, or I suppose, the stimulus package ends that there may not be as much blood as people thought because the homeowners that haven't got a mortgage or have a very small mortgage don't really need to do anything um, because their their risk profile is quite low. That's a really interesting stat. I'd, I personally didn't know that and I think that's quite comforting to know that that many people own outright um, because I think the media is pa- painting this impression that everyone's tied up to their ears in, in mortgage repayments and debt. I don't know that that is the, the true picture overall uh, and we're getting a bit of a fear sparked into us you know surprise surprise but uh yes it seems like they've painted this picture of september being all these properties come up for sale and everyone's in distress personally i don't foresee that happening to the extent that they are painting that out to be no i know i tend to agree to you uh with you emily and i i suppose we're going off on a bit of a tangent here but mm. let's roll with it um i think i, I think Going into this pandemic, uh, there was some sort of oversupply in in certain markets for units and apartments around the country, and that will be uh, maybe more exaggerated through these times. But but generally, the housing market was in a fantastic position in in most markets around the country prior to coming into this. So yeah, I, I don't think there'll be the blood on the street that uh, everyone th- thinks there will be. Um, obviously, the vacancy rates may increase in, in certain areas, but uh, uh, also they're predicting about a 9% unemployment rate by September. So that although that's very high, extremely high, towards the standard, it's um, it's still manageable. And, and we find that a lot of people that are affected by this are the, the 18 to 22 market that's part-time casual employment where were they homeowners to begin with, a lot of cases you would say no. Definitely. And if they were renters and then moving back in with mum and dad, we do see that vacancy rate increase because now there's you know more people living under one roof and therefore those apartments yep. are now available as well as student accommodation, obviously, uh, the lack of international students coming in. It's uh, it's amazing how much plays into the property market, isn't it? It's so complex uh, to break down all the it different is. scenarios of where people move, why people move, um, and how it, how it all impacts. But uh, I think at the moment... The only thing we can do during this pandemic is is watch it play out and uh, and not listen to the media to 
everything they say um, because I'm sure there'll be screenshots of articles that were posted in March that are not true in September and I love it when that happens. Yeah, the doomsdays of uh, go, go back into hiding again. But yeah, the, <laughs> the big one-line headlines um, usually don't stick with uh, a lot of fact. Um, so, okay, so rounding out this this topic of information we should be telling our agent, mm. um, what would be your 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 broad one minute statement if you're uh, if if you're Emily Wallace buyer's agent out there talking to the listeners, what are we saying? I think you should definitely have no hesitation in telling them your budget or a range of your budget. No hesitation in telling them at in what point you're looking, whether you are just researching at the moment and, and you're going to be more serious in a couple of months. And certainly your situation, you know, is it the first home? Are you downsizing, upsizing, what's involved? Often those who do already own a, own a home are a little bit nervous to tell the agent that they haven't yet sold because they think they're going to swoop in and, and list the property. I think that's okay. You know, they're there to do a job and they want to help. Um, but just uh, just one extra point to add is as well as the information that you're giving them, what information can they give you? And one question I would always try and ask is can you tell me a bit why the bit about why the vendor is selling? I think that's a really good question to be asking them just to give you a bit of an understanding of the vendor circumstances. Totally, yeah. That's a, that's a great question. It's it's one of the first ones you want to get a hold of, isn't it? And and what's sold in the area for what prices? And and uh, again, extracting as much information from the agent, which really comes back to uh, being their friend, not their foe, through this time, so you can get the result you need. And and it really is when you're buying your own home, it's a it's a selfish point in your life where it's all about you going and buying that home it's it's not really about anyone else um so you've got to treat it as such but using your personality to to get the best from the from the agent and the people involved in the transaction is 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 critical isn't it definitely 100 percent agree so all right well that's great there's been some little bits of gold right throughout there so appreciate your uh, your information there emily we'll have you back on the show for the next two i'm told so that's exciting very we've got exciting. a couple of pretty awesome topics uh, coming up uh, but just a quick shout out to sean wellman from wellman finance sponsors the show we couldn't do it without his support and uh, I think you've met um, Sean, haven't you, Emily? So he's a he's a broker in Melbourne, covers Victoria, South Australia in, in general. Very strategic in in what he does with his clients. Um, I personally use him. That doesn't make him the best in the world, but I've uh, I've shortlisted him, so that's good <laughs> enough for me. But yeah, thanks uh, and, and shout out to to Wellman Finance for their support. So um, Emily, thanks again, and looking forward to getting you back on the show soon. Wonderful. Thanks for having me and I look forward to it. All right. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Special thanks to Wellman Finance, our podcast partner. Sean Wellman and his team are available to coach you through your property journey, even if it's your first time. With expertise in investment and home loans, they're in your corner providing education and support as you take each step. For more info, check out wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash M3. If you want to really turn up your property, education and information journey, make sure you check out the Solvair Property and Finance Academy. This is an amazing online resource that John has put together. It's to empower and to give results to people who are either first-time buyers 
whether for their home to live in or an investment property, or if you're a seasoned property investor, this online academy is for you. Check out the link in the show notes. It will change your life if you let it. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.